This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've never recorded a podcast right after an AFC Championship loss uh, that close of a game. Well, well. This is the first AFC Championship loss in Bengals history. Yeah, that one hurts. Uh, this is tough, man. This is really tough. I know there's a lot we want to get to in this game, and, and we're really kind of backing up from, from how the game ended. But how are you feeling right now? Oh, don't ask me. <laughs> Not good. Um, at first, I thought it was worse feeling than the Super Bowl, but I don't think it is. I mean, maybe it's just all cope, but I am at the point where I'm like, well, you took maybe the best quarterback of the generation to the wire in a classic AFC championship duel. You did end up deserving the loss with how the ending happened, but kind of stunk to get there. You had your chance to win and it didn't work out. Um, would much rather lose like this than how the 49ers lost, I guess, where you just feel hopeless by the second drive of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things you can point to in this game. Um, I think if you're an NFL fan outside of being a Chiefs and Bengals fan, you're, you're watching that and you're like, whoa, we're getting kind of a classic here. It felt sloppy at times for, for both teams, but when it's 20 all down to eight seconds in the game, it's absolutely incredible. There were chances for the Cincinnati Bengals. There were chances for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, there are a lot of times, and 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 I think we're going to spend between now and, and until they get to training camp in July, looking back at, at some of the moments where you know you could capitalize. But one thing I definitely want to start on uh, right now is Joseph Asai. One of the things we've talked about, I think, in, even on our last few podcasts, is what the role Joseph Asai we have seen on the defensive side of the ball. He was someone who missed his rookie year due to an injury, and the only thing we remembered from him is he sacked Tom Brady in the preseason. And unfortunately, he, I, I, honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of this, the CBS cameras on him a couple times towards the end of the game when he he gets that late hit on Patrick Mahomes when he was out of bounds, and it obviously puts their kicker in field goal range. Personally, I think the kicker was going to make it from wherever they were at the time. But Joseph Asai gets that penalty and he's crushed and he's getting hammered right now. But I think you can look back on a lot of the games this year. They wouldn't be in the position they were without the season that Joseph Asai has had and, and, and the way he's kind of stepped up for this defense. Yeah, you could look at this game. Um, off the top, third best defender in this game. He was probably the only pass rusher to get consistent pressure. Um, affected a lot of plays. Would have had sacks, but Mahomes can do weird stuff. Throw the ball as he's flying around. Uh, not always complete those, just they don't count as sacks. And I guess receivers in enough of the area for those ones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he had an awesome game. And this is why to me it feels so much like the 2015 loss is now, perfect has a history and everything like that, but you lose on an unnecessary – the nail in the coffin is the unnecessary roughness call. You don't lose because of it. There's other reasons you lost, but the nail in the coffin to drive them 15 yards closer is an unnecessary roughness call at the end of the game from a guy who played spectacularly. So that's what kind of stinks. Um, I don't think it was malicious or anything. I just think it was boneheaded. Uh, just don't extend your arms and nothing gets called there. But if you're going to – Blame Osai, I don't think you're right. Look back at how that Chiefs offense was going on those last few drives. And you tell me if you think the Chiefs could score from the 30. 
I don't think so. And the reason I'm bringing that up is the punter had a really bad game today to me. I, and yeah, the punts are going far. Like, I think that's why some people are like, no, he didn't. It's the coverage, but they're hanging up there for like two seconds. He's, he can't get any hang time on it. And there's no directional kicking either. And I think these, these were the two main issues when you talked about keeping Huber is he could directionally kick well, and he could put hang time on it. And Crispin's never had the hang time and he never developed the directional kicking because the lot of stupid complaints here, but <laughs> it's punning who cares, but look, I'd be looking for, I wouldn't say Crispin has the job next year just because that last punt long. Yeah. No hang time. And right down the middle, just if that's 10 yards shorter of a punt, but it goes out of bounds, who cares? Like, I don't think the Chiefs score, they don't have enough time. And Mahomes wasn't Mahomes in by that point but you could also blame the offensive line they're probably the main culprit if you took the entire game into account they ruined the first quarter and they gave up the final sack it was these weren't coverage sacks bro hits bottom is drop and he's getting hit eventually and it sucks just like last year the offensive line did fall apart in the playoffs um kind of sucked that they gave us all that hope last week that they were like oh maybe this offensive line can just but we well we knew we, I feel like deep down, we knew there was a big chance this could happen. And it did uh, three missing starters hard to overcome, especially when Spagnolo is doing a good job of getting Chris Jones opportunities to rush the passer one-on-one. So it stings and it sucks, but I do think you lose like this. You make it this far without your offensive lineman starting, without your number one corner. It's going to be a different team next year. We know Bates is gone. You got to wonder how big is the hit going from a veteran Jesse Bates to a rookie Dax Hill. But this team's set up to make the run again. And just if you get the injury luck, if you get a little bit of just that luck in a game, the game's different if a few things bounce their way instead of the opposite way. If there's a block in the back called on that punt return, if there's, um, if, well, I will say if the officials on that third down that we should probably talk about, don't have one of the worst moments I've ever seen from an officiating crew. I will say this, look, when you're a Bengals fan and you're watching this game and, and you have a rooting interest in your team winning, um, believe me, I've said plenty of terrible things about the NFL officiating because it's bad. It just is. It's a bad product in an NFL that's a billion-dollar industry. I'm not blaming this on officials as a whole, but there are moments where it is an even match in a game. It is a one-score game, and you can't mess up that badly. Zach Taylor has had to be livid several times this season with officiating. He's had to speak up, and I'm sure the guy's getting fined behind the scenes. And, and you could see him on the sideline just absolutely just livid with them, needing explanation. And I've never seen – and of course, more eyes are going to be on this because it's championship weekend from NFL players who play in the league now to rivals in the AFC North. I, I said it before we recorded TJ Watt is even speaking up of like, what is going on with these officials from national broadcasters speaking up and, and just saying like, what is happening? They were very confused. They're like, look, if I'm Cincinnati, I, I'm livid right now. And that is crushing. There are opportunities you capitalize capitalize on, and if the ball bounces your way, then yeah, we look back on it and say, "Man, they got away with they got away with that one." Sorry, <laughs> I just dropped my phone charger there. Uh, but uh, but but we we look back on it and say that was ugly. Got away with it. Still living about an NFL officiating, and, and and I'm not trying to just blame it all on that. But man, I'm very confused with, with what happened when the defense had to stop them almost nine times on that third down. And thank God the ball doesn't lie and they did get the stop. But yeah, in the moment that was, I couldn't believe it to be honest, because this all started because they spotted the ball wrong half of a yard. So they do that. And then they try to blow the play dead. Well, try in quotes here because oh my god the official comes from the sideline waves his arms for half a second ball snap and he just kind of puts his hands on his hips he's like well they're the boys are going <laughs> might as well watch they can't see me like no you keep running on the field keep waving your arms keep blowing the whistle this play's dead then it's dead i'd be mad if i was the chiefs to be honest with you because 
Kelsey just took a big hit and he has a back injury <laughs> for no reason. Then you got to do it again. And like, you're not mad because you get the do over and then you get that call on Mike Hilton there that even Gene Sterator, who mostly will side with officials was like, I don't see this. Um, you are usually allowed to get your hand on the outside hip as you come around. That is not a penalty. Uh, there is a lot of discourse that people don't know what they're talking about with pass interference. You're allowed to put your hand on a guy. It's when you restrict their movement. So if you get a turn, if you get a tug, if he's trying to go outside and your hand on him stops him from going outside, sure, none of that happened. And he comes across and makes a great play. That's what's so frustrating is Mike Hilton made such a good play on that. And now every grading service and penalty trackers and whatever you want to use is going to say he had a bad game, which he didn't play that great, but say he had a terrible game because of a defensive pass interference that gave him a first down on third down. Like, yeah, that's a huge difference. When we talk about like expected points or anything. Um, but yeah, they got the stop. There, there are a few moments the Bengals had in this game. Uh, and for some reason, the one that always I told you about it earlier, but the one that keeps sticking out to me just because it shocked me so much was Jamar Chase not tracking the ball that hit him in the helmet. I, when I was watching that, it looked like, oh, he's, he's making a play on the corner, and I just he never found it. And that is Jamar Chase's best ability coming out of college was probably body control. But the second best ability was how insane he was at knowing exactly where the football would be so that he could set up defenders, make moves, do such late hands. He just didn't find that one. It was such a perfect throw. It hit him in the hit him in the face, but he never got his hands up. I, I couldn't believe that. And then it was an interception on the next play, which arm pump, whatever. Yeah. You go from a 50-yard gain, though, to that. That's what stinks. Yeah, there, there were times, and I kind of want to get more into Joe Burrow in our next segment, um, but there, there are moments that you look at in that game offensively, it just really felt like it took a minute for the offense to settle down. Uh, we obviously know Arrowhead is a very loud stadium and atmosphere. This team is very familiar with it. Look, that primetime crowd might be a little louder uh, than it normally is, even though it's it's a crazy atmosphere. And, and credit to the fans. I'm sure it's really hard to play in, and you get in that moment, and look, this is the game you win and you're in. Um, there's a there's a lot happening. It really kind of felt like it took the offense um, almost a, almost a half to really kind of get into it. It was it was almost a half. Almost, I would say first quarter. I would say Definitely. first quarter. Oh man, the Bengals also thought that offensive line would hold up. Dude. It wasn't just fans. You know, they, look, they realized after the first quarter it would not. But we talked about it. We talked about yeah. it on this podcast. We said, you know, there was a lot of like, but look how they did in that game, that backup offensive line. And, and we talked about it on here. We said if Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa are healthy, you still want them to go. If they are 80%, if they are 70%, you still want them to go in that game. Um, they weren't ready. And credit to the medical staff to say, look, we're not putting them out there in that situation. These guys are not ready to go back out there. So that's your offensive line. But we got to pump the brakes on, on one performance with, with the backup offensive line in the snow. Um, credit to what they were able to do against the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, you can look back on that and say, what a great performance against that D-line. But that's not Chris Jones. That's not that's not Frank. Like, like that's a whole different D-line that you're facing. That's apparently not Mike Dana. The strangest game wrecker. I mean, who who knew? Uh, there. The thing about it is, the thing that's absolutely insane, and I'm not sure if you had this moment because early on, I was like, "This O line is not Joe's not going to survive this this game." There's no, no I was worried about blowout early when I saw how the offensive line was throwing credit to Frank and Zach and Brian for finding a way to have an offense with that performance because I don't actually think the offensive line got that much better. I think they went to a lot of max protection, a lot of chips, early chips, not late chips, some split back stuff so they can get six man, seven man protection in there. But man, and it happened at the end. It's what killed it in the end, both the hold. So that her big gain basically just puts them at the 25 and then the sack on that last drive. It, it was such a difficult drive. And you think about some of those moments like John Elway driving like 98 yards or whoever, but it doesn't always happen. Um, sometimes the guys around you fail because I felt like Burrow was actually fine on those. And then tried to finally take a five-step drop, sacked around the edge, pressure down the middle. Sucks. Mike Dana, though, I couldn't believe – he was a game wrecker. And he was doing it to a starter. Cordell Volson just got smeckledorfed 
by Mike Dana there. I mean, that was what was amazing to me was he stepped up. We needed a guy. The Bengals needed a guy to step up the way Mike Dana stepped up for the Chiefs. They they did. Um, you know, just I'm a credit to the thing is for how annoyed, you know, it, we can look back on some of the calls and things that happen in the fourth quarter. Um, the Chiefs did enough. They did enough. They were battling injuries out there, and that is credit to them. I truly think that the two best teams in the AFC were playing tonight. Um, I think you you don't always get that in the playoffs in the championship game. Sometimes a wild card team can go on a run or a guy in a divisional round, and, and that's just who you get in the AFC championship. I, I think you saw the two best teams. And the thing is, we'll see these teams again in January facing each other. We'll see each other next year. They're in regular season. Uh, they'll go back to Arrowhead next year for the Cincinnati Bengals. But this is just the beginning, and it's crazy to say that in Joe Burrow's third year. Um, it's hard to fall in an AFC championship game when it is the first time in Joe Burrow's career. His first full season was last year and he went to the Super Bowl and he lost in a crushing fashion by three points to the Rams. This game is always same three points score. with the Chiefs. It was I the mean, same score too. It's the same, points. same way to go down. So yes, right now it it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle. It's gonna be something that you move on from, I think, as a fan base, I think as a team. Um, it makes the months a little bit longer in the winter time before you get to uh, OTAs and uh, training camp for this club. Um, there's going to be a lot of conversations about contracts. I know we're going to get to more of that in the podcast later. There's more about Joe Burrow I want to get into in this next segment, though, on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Um, kind of going back to this offense and, and Joe Burrow tonight, just a sample size. We'll have plenty to talk about Joe Burrow during the offseason. Um, there was concerns that what is this line going to do the rest of the game? They're getting blown up. Uh, this is an easy Joe can't move the ball. This is going to struggle. There was an early interception and obviously the arm pun interception later in the game. Joe slowed down and and he managed it, and he had some amazing throws. I mean, I look back on the T. Higgins touchdown. I look on the one that should have been a Hayden Hurst touchdown, and Hayden has to come down with that, and he didn't do it. Um, the Jamar Chase, I mean, just to two defenders, and it goes right to him, and just credit for him to bring that one down and, and get them in position to score a touchdown. But overall, Joe's a gamer. Um, it, it's unfortunate to – to have it come down to, to where it was for, for this whole entire team. But what did you think about Joe overall tonight? I thought, I thought Joe, he started off rough and I don't even want to say he started rough. The offensive line got him sacked four times and eight dropbacks. And I think that just messed with him because it felt like after that for a little bit, another drive or two, his clock was wonky and that's been such a good part, a consistent part of his game lately, especially in that Bills game. It was like, what was the key was Joe's internal clock was like perfect. He got sacked four times and they were all hits the back foot of his drop and he sack type plays or at least pressured and then runs into the sack. Uh, so then I didn't think he played well and culminated in that interception. Uh, that was a crazy bad decision to me. To put that short, like, I don't know, put some air on. Not He lobbed it, first of all. I, I don't know. I want to see that ball to tee 
little bit more driven and probably a little bit further down the field. If you're going to lob it, at least put it down the field. Uh, but whatever <laughs> happens, they overcame it. And then the next drive they had, which I don't think anybody was expecting them to do that well, they drove the entire way down the field and got a field goal. And that was where they finally switched to, they didn't have a halftime adjustment. They had a right before halftime adjustment where they did all the extra protection and stuff to get all the way down the field, get that field goal, which I think was the right call as well. I I think that was debated a little bit, but you had to make that a one score game in my opinion. Um, but first quarter, not good. Most, I, th- I think most of the second quarter wasn't that great either. And then it was like the end of the second quarter was awesome. Third quarter was good. And then the fourth quarter started getting back into hit or miss. And then the offensive line fell apart again. So it wasn't his best performance, but I don't think it was terrible performance. Um, if I'm doing my grading scale, it's probably around a C. Somewhere uh, in there. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised, but at the same time, Joe... Joe was Joe was getting sacked early. I'm like, toughness you know, was on display. Toughness he, was so on display. On he that. might get sacked ten times and still win this game. I mean, at, at that nothing. He, he always he always finds a way to overcome things. Um, obviously, we can go back to the week one performance, everything that happened there. But I just thought, I'm like, you know what? He's gonna get back up. There was a time that Joe, late in the fourth quarter, when he takes that hit and he's on the ground. I thought something was wrong with his arm. I'm like, I don't know if Joe's gonna get be able to finish this game. Yeah, he landed right on his right arm on that. that and was and on who? The, um, what was uh, that? Was the uh, grounding grounding call, which I thought was a P Ryan was right there. Yep, uh, he was close enough that I don't think you should call that. It, it was basically the same as all those screens where they just turf it. Like he was like a yard downfield. Okay. Yeah, that. Here's uh, I'm not I'm not trying to make it too much officiating, but when it's a close game like that, you got to be on you got to be on top of your game. You got to be on top of your game. And I think everybody needs to be that way. You could say the same thing for Cincinnati Chiefs and the officiating in a very important game. Um, but there was just, there's missed opportunities for Cincinnati. You know, they're there. And, and if they find a way to win, we look back on it and say, man, they got away with, we got, they found a way to win. They found a way to win that game despite all the odds. And unfortunately, it was just too familiar without the overtime hearing Jim Nance called the final field goal. Uh, for, for the Super Bowl, the, the the drive to the Super Bowl when the when the kick went in and it was like, oh, 364 days ago, this was the position Cincinnati was in. I'm not gonna lie, I felt when they were driving before Kansas City had that one last chance, I was like, they're gonna get in field goal range, they're gonna win this game. They're I thought so too, and then <sighs> offensive line fell apart. They did, and had an unfortunate a time. And I think we look at that and. I hate bringing up offensive line already going into the off season, but here we are. I was going to ask you. I mean, you're, you're in a situation where you still have question marks with Jenna Williams at left tackle. I still think he's your starting left tackle next year. But he's he's probably not the future left tackle unless it's cheap. I don't, I don't know if they're going to keep him for the future. So sorry to cut you off, but you just brought up a good point. Jonah Williams is there next year. Law Collins is technically here next year. But that's one I think could be replaced. And maybe you you don't want to switch guys' sides too often. But if you get a good enough left tackle prospect and he beats Collins in camp for right tackle, you could flip him back to left. I don't know. That We'll talk about that more. But I do think offensive line's on the table for whatever pick they want. Yeah. First, second, third. I think you 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 go into the offseason, and one of the things in past history, Cincinnati's not good at drafting offensive linemen. They are good at wide receivers. They're good at finding those mid-round picks that are just absolutely amazing. You can see it on the defensive side, and they can really show up to be, you know, big developmental pieces. But they're just not good at offensive linemen when, when it comes to drafting. I, I feel terrible like an hour after this game to be talking about drafts. But, hey, it's draft season now. And it's, <laughs> there you um, go, Jared. Jared, draft guy, draft guy, Jared, you're, you're going to be really happy. <laughs> it's to draft this. season. Goodness, I'm not ready for that. Uh, but but at the same time, this is a big topic of conversation. I want to get more into the future and what contracts will look like in our next segment. But overall, I think you you have to look at the soft on the line. It comes down to this AFC championship game. It goes down to the Super Bowl last year. 
And yes, we talk about what Joe Burrow was able to do with a banged up offensive line last year in their playoff run and even in the Super Bowl, but they're an offensive line away from holding a Lombardi last year. I truly believe that. I truly believe could argue, that. Could argue today. And, and, that, and they're in the same position, you know, mm-hmm. and the thing about it, the NFL has offensive line problems. There are rarely mm-hmm. good teams with offensive line, except for these oh, two Super Bowl teams. That are <laughs> eight offensive linemen deep. You're going to start running into issues. I think the Eagles would run into issues. They're incredible offensive line, but say you lose, let's see, Kappa was the best offensive lineman. So say you lose, we'll call Jason Kelsey and they have a backup there. They've got um, Cam Jurgens. But then you also lose Jordan Mailata, and then you have to insert um, what's his name, the Andre Dillard. Mm-hmm. But after that, not much there. There's, I think they have an okay guard at that point. But say you lose Lane Johnson, you don't have another tackle, and the Bengals lost both tackles. So it's hard to find these offensive linemen in the first place. But to try to have these offensive linemen and have three quality backups, I thought they could survive with two misses. And then after last week, I thought maybe they could survive with all three gone. But now turns out just short, just not enough. But they almost did it. And for the Super Bowl, I think maybe one, if not both those guys would have been back too. Yeah, I think that this is still a major concern and it's a problem. Um, you know, maybe there, what we've talked about before, look, Joe's been able to manage with, with some of the backups and, and health wasn't on their side at the end. Health was on their side a little bit throughout the playoffs last year. And I I don't count that towards their offensive line, but overall, um, you know, when you're without your number one cornerback to go on this run, this we're sitting here in January and this team last loss was October 31st. It's absolutely incredible to think the run they were able to go on and guys that they've had to step up uh, when their offensive linemen went down, when Alex Cavill, when Lyle Collins went down. Um, you lose Jonah Williams recently. It, it's a struggle. It's hard after you see that most of the season. Um, but that's still a big question mark. That's something that they have to have conversations about because the thing is, when they are having the Joe Burrow contract extension conversations, and I truly do believe that's all going to get done this offseason, that really won't impact and really start kicking in for another couple of years for the for the Joe Burrow numbers. Because it's still, yep, you still have the fifth year option, I believe. They'll probably factor mm-hmm. that. And you've got this fourth year that's really cheap, still factored in. And then the money hits and it's usually backloaded so that when you give them an extension the next time, you spread that money out a little bit more. So yeah. it's, it's the window is his whole career, but the window is wide open still, I think, for the next, I'll say at least two years, if not three. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And you got to take advantage of it. We don't know what that number is going to look like for Joe Burrow. Here's the thing. I feel like over the last 48 hours, when you have an Ian Rappaport or, you know, national sports insiders say the Bengals in the, and Joe Burrow, they're going to, you know, work on the contract extension. We knew that. We knew he was eligible for a contract extension after the third season, that those conversations were going to start to happen. I don't think that's breaking news. Then you get, well, how are they going to pay everyone? Or, you know, what are they going to do? What's Joe going to do? Is he going to take a cheap deal? Joe Burrow deserves every penny. If he wants to take a cheap deal, awesome. If he doesn't, he deserves it deserves every penny and those conversations we'll hear more about when it comes to the guaranteed um this team has changed their way of thinking when it comes to the contracts and and, and the money if you, if you look at selling the stadium name if you would have told me they would sell paul brown stadium name and knowing more than likely that's going to go into the joe burrow fund for his contract extension or other guys that they're going to have to pay i would have said I don't, I think they're going to find another way. I wouldn't see that coming. They've changed their mindset of thinking the quarterback coach, Dan pitcher. That was another report that happened and it came out this morning. He was getting interviews. Tampa was interested. He had an interview on Friday with Tampa for their offensive coordinator position. The Ravens were interested. And even if Brian Callahan would have left for a head coaching job, which I'm sure those guys will maybe get another follow-up interview. If something happens in the next couple of weeks, when it comes to some of the open positions, I know that Brian Callahan did interview with Indy, but Overall, Dan Pitcher was their inside guy to probably get promoted to OC. And the Bengals stepped up and said, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to lose you yet. And I'm sure those internal conversations were like, look, if, if Brian Callahan takes another job, you're our OC. It's going to be an internal thing. You're our guy. And they they 
gave him a, a nice contract extension. Cincinnati stepped up when Dan was getting these interviews this week and said, no, 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 let me back up the truck a little bit and let me pay you. Uh, we want to keep you here. You're very important to this offense. And what this offense has looked like since week five when it comes to Dan Pitcher, Brian Callian, Zach Taylor, and Joe Burrow, it changed. Frank Pollock, run game coordinator, offensive line coach. He's a huge deal with that. Yes, Joe Burrow is him. He's number nine. But Dan Pitcher still is a big part of what we, we've seen with this offense. And I think that's huge when it comes to those conversations and, and them kind of just stepping, stepping back and saying, hey, we don't want to lose you. You're a big part of this offense. And what do we have to do to keep you here? Yeah. Uh, whenever you have a, a guy you feel good about inside the building, about promoting, if your offensive coordinator gets hired, that means other teams probably feel good about that guy making that jump for them too. So yeah. you usually don't keep those guys forever. You know, the, the you look at, um, I think the Chiefs always had that with, Mike Kafka, they kept thinking like, well, if the enemy gets hired, we'll promote Kafka. Kafka went to New York with Brian Dabble. <laughs> and that's totally possible, not happening again. Especially if it's anybody that knows Pitcher, um, then they can really bring him in. But the Kafka-Dabble one, they didn't know each other. That was just, I like what you do in Kansas City. Come share thoughts with me. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, hey, Dan, I like what you do in Cincinnati. We should build an offense together, <laughs> especially Tampa. You got some weapons over there. You got some stuff. Well, I mean, and, and at the same time, I still feel like that's the Joe Burrow effect. You know, those conversations were probably happening with Joe and they said, Dan's getting those interviews and, and he's still a huge part of what, what they see internally. It happens all the time that quarterback coaches get job interviews for OCs and they move on or OCs move on to be head coach. And while they are still in this window, even though I agree with Joe, it's his whole career, um, as long as they keep building around him. And I think that the cap number is going to keep growing and that's really not a problem. I think a lot of people are concerned with what Cincinnati is going to do and outside of Cincinnati, which is always wild to me. Um, but at the same time, I think they have a good plan when it comes to the outlook of that. I was not ready to go ahead and talk about contracts in January. I thought we'd get a couple more weeks um, and, and maybe a Super Bowl game for this team in back-to-back -back years. But at the same time, before we talk about kind of the outlook of, of the offseason, it's hard right now. I know for a lot of Bengals fans to be like, well, yeah, it was a great season. It was so fun. It was one of my favorite teams to watch. We were, we were watching just a few years ago, we wanted this team to win a playoff game. Win one. Win one. Joe Burrow just, won five in two, year, in two years. Just a few years ago, uh, we were probably knowing all the draft prospect names by October. We knew them all. We're like, oh, <laughs> by October. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. And, and, and losing an, an AFC championship is is something that we are experiencing for the first time. As you mentioned, a really good stat. Cincinnati's never lost an AFC championship game. Hopefully the only one they ever lose. Hopefully the only one they lose. And then you go you go back to to what the Super Bowl felt like. I think it took it took a while for fans to, to get over that one. And the next thing was like, I can't wait till they get back. This team is going to be back. I truly believe that this team can 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 make a run. And what did they do? This season, they lost four football games, four regular season games, and they won 12 in regular season. You win two tough battles. I think the wild card game was a battle. You, you go into the Buffalo Bills and you just own them, absolutely own them. And then you played the, the, the other best team in the AFC in the Chiefs on the road in a big time game. You lost by three. And I think that you won't see it today, maybe in January, but it's going to be spring. Sun's going to come out tomorrow. And we're going to look back and say, man, this team is still heading in a great direction. It could always be worse. And I am, um, I'm really excited to have Joe Burrow as a quarterback. And I think he's going to be the quarterback for a really long time. And I like Zach Taylor. And I think Zach Taylor is going to be a huge part of this for a really long time. I think the front office has, has really changed their direction of, of how they think outside of the box. And they're getting credit in the outside world, that national attention too, of like, Hey, this is, this isn't your your grandfather's Cincinnati Bengals. This isn't my dad's Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they are going to go in the right direction. And this team lost in the Super Bowl last year. They lost in the AFC Championship this year. And I think there's a lot of organizations who would take that every day of the week where they're where they're at right now. Absolutely. There's what probably like two organizations that wouldn't. 
They're yeah. both in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, only one team, only one team wins at the end of the season. Yeah. Only one. To like, be in the final four. I think that's a discussion some people want to have. Was this a successful season? And like it wasn't the ultimate success, but there's nothing to be ashamed of with this season. Put it back no. of a fight. Think of all the teams that have fallen just short in their conference championship game. Yeah. Saints if- teams, Patriots have done it, Colts did it. Chiefs, All last year. Chiefs last year. Um, yeah, there's a ton of teams this happens to. 49ers have done it back to back. That stinks. Ooh. That one, that one hurts. That one definitely be a dagger when you had that. Uh, I think about that dropped interception last year for the 49ers. Oh, whiskey tart. But come on, there's no way that the Niners would have wanted to play in the Super Bowl with who knows. I mean, I guess Jimmy G would have been back for the Super Bowl. Still who knows? Been Garoppolo in that game. Oh, this one coming up. This you mean? one. I mean, well, Josh how... Johnson probably is okay. Well, we don't want to speculate. <laughs> Garoppolo, it sounds like could play. Who, who off the street? Who is your first call? Is it Blake Bortles? <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> that was my first thought. Him or Fitzpatrick was, was my first there thought. There was memes for Blake Bortles. There was memes for Blake Bortles. Um, he was, no, was he like, was in LA. He was in LA. I was trying to remember where he was uh, last time. He was in Green Bay and L.A., so he was not in San Francisco. I was trying to remember which West Coast team. But, yeah, Blake Bortles, the first person. I was like, <laughs> when do you call Blake Bortles? Do you call Fitzpatrick? Who are you calling? Who's your first call here? <laughs> All right. Well. Cam? I think Cam might be done. I Although, I don't know. Maybe sign him and just have him run a few plays. I think that I think that run is over. Um, but hey, it could be, be hilarious. Run. Kaepernick would be the funniest one if they reset Kaepernick after all these years for the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, Lord, I'm done. Oh man, speculation. that would have been hilarious too. Though portals. Or... The only thing, here here's what I, I will say: this as a team who just lost in the AFC Championship game, the week between now and the Super Bowl feels like ages from now, and I don't know how enthused I am gonna I'm gonna be to watch that. The Super Bowl. Yeah. I actually kind of like the extra week for that though, because I'll be less salty. When you're playing and it's great, you're like, oh yeah, Super Bowl for two weeks. Let's talk about it. In in theory, I like the extra week, even though this team lost the NFC championship game, because I won't be as salty for the Super Bowl. I won't be as like go birds. Although I will be rooting for the Eagles, I think. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. Well, we still have more to get to. I want to talk a little more about looking into that offseason. I know we talked Joe Burrow. I know we talked front office. We talked about this AFC championship loss, and there's plenty to break down next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Look. We talk Joe Burrow, we talk front office, and then you come to these conversations about guys who are going to be here who who won't be here next year. One of the guys we've talked about plenty of times, this is nothing against Jesse Bates. He is awesome, and I would love for Jesse Bates to be a part of this defense. But more than likely, he's going to be gone. Yeah, very, very cerebral player. I think he gets whatever – I think he gets what he wants on the safety market, maybe not the top money, but I think he gets top five money for um, four or five years. I uh, hope it's not with Cleveland. I've seen they've targeted him a little bit. <laughs> hope it's not with Kansas City either. Hopefully it's an NFC team we're talking about. Um, but, you know, he's been a great dude. I, I I think that's the one thing about Jesse Bates is even when he was doing the holdout, it always felt like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, um, even to the point where they drafted Dax Hill and he texts him saying like, hey, let's let's link up. Let's watch some film. Together. Let's hang out. Let's talk safety play, even though I'm not on the team <laughs> type thing. Fans hated him for that lot for that holdout, but I don't think he played amazing this season. But I thought he played good. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Um, this is going to be it. Jesse was awesome. I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, his whole entire career in Cincinnati, still a young defensive player who wherever he goes, and I hope it is in Cleveland, as you mentioned, um, I'm going to be rooting for the guy. I, I can't wait to see what he does with another team and he will get paid. And unfortunately, I feel like that money that they were going to give Jesse Bates, um, and fortunately will go to another player that they extend this off season. The question is, who are they going to extend? I think you can look at some of the easy answers and two of the guys that I think are going to get a couple year, two year deal. Maybe it's a one year deal. See what happens in year two with that extension is I think of Hayden Hurst and I yeah. think of Von Bell. Okay. Yeah. I think they both get at least another year. Yeah, no franchise tag. Neither one should get a franchise tag. So if you can't work out a one year deal, just go find somebody else. But uh, yeah, they you probably want the continuity of Von Bell in the secondary. You're losing Bates. Try not to lose both safeties. Let him play with Dax Hill for at least another year, if not two years. You could even do a three-year deal, but then the third year is kind of like that fake year. If he's really good, you keep him <laughs> type thing. Like no no uh, dead cap if you cut him or whatever. Um, and then Hayden Hurst, I think you want to keep him, especially when you watch that Wilcox drop. Uh, quality tight end play. Not third and 16 five. tonight. Third and 16. Third and 16 I know that was an awesome play. I couldn't believe he, that was because the Chiefs did do what Tony was saying to do. Like, hey, double the two dudes and they don't have Boyd on the field. And then Hurst stepped up. It was awesome. And wish he'd come down with that one pass in the end zone for my parlay, but <laughs> not my parlay. My parlay sucked. None of that hit. But, you know, it would have been exciting if he caught that touchdown. Would have changed the game a little bit, probably. Uh, but that was a really tough catch, too. It was an awesome, awesome throw. Dot. A dot of a throw, but tough, tough catch. And he didn't come down with it. Uh, yeah. You signed him also because a lot of tight ends take time to develop. And he's a guy you know you can put out there and get good production, get good results. That's not easily found. Not everybody's Greg Dulcich, my guy from last year. Yeah, I think there are some conversations. Good blocker, <laughs> good receiver. <laughs> well, we we talked about in the last segment when it comes to oh, you know, maybe Burrow will take that friendly deal, and and and, and I'm not a huge fan of that conversation because I think Joe is um he's right. he's done a lot in Cincinnati, and I want this guy to get paid, and if he resets the market, he resets the market. Good for Joe Burrow, but it kind of in comparison to guys like Hayden Hurst and Von Bell. I think that those are two guys who you could probably get in a situation where they're like Hayden Hurst has talked plenty about being in Cincinnati and what it meant to play yeah. here. And I think he could be someone who does kind of like a friendly, a friendly couple year deal, get, get the guy what he, what he deserves. And I always want the player to get paid because NFL players don't get paid enough. And I, I want this guy to, Hey, maybe, maybe this is a resume for another team, but I truly believe Hayden Hurst would be somebody who would want to come back and play with Joe Burrow. And you could say the same thing for Von Bell in this defense, especially if you're going to lose a guy like Jesse Bates. And maybe those are more of a team friendly deal of what that looks like for the two of them. One of the other conversations you have to have is the linebacker room. I felt this way before the season. And then the season happens and he had himself a great season in the linebacker room. When you think of a guy like Jermaine Pratt, I do believe that that was it for Jermaine Pratt in Cincinnati. I wouldn't be shocked if he's back next year, but I also agree that I think that was his last run. I think it's just, I think the organization has shown what they're going to do here because they pull him off the field sometimes on third downs for King Davis Gaither. They kind of work these guys in um, he had an awesome year. I thought this year from him overall was better than what Wilson did last year. And that was a really good year from Wilson, but they like Wilson more. And he's a communicator on defense. He's a leader, all those things. Pratt, awesome, awesome guy on the field. And he does a lot of stuff. That's really good. And he's improved a ton as a player, but you can only pay so much to the linebacker room because you start running into, you can't pay everybody type talk. And it's true. You can't pay everybody. So I think him and Bates fall under the, if we had the money, we'd keep you, but we have to extend the quarterback and another guy we'll talk about may have to extend not just chase, but after this game, I'd really think about extending. I, I already would have. So I'm biased heading into this. Like I would have given T a blank check already. Definitely do it after this. He was great. I, I think 
the, the, there's so much assumption. And I think some people need a little education when it comes to T Higgins. Yeah. He's not a free agent after this year. He's still under contract this year. And even if he doesn't sign this year, like they'll franchise tag him. He's the type of guy you franchise tag at least to keep another year. Here, here's my thing about T Higgins and Brady Moss. I love you, man. You are, you are great. I actually love hearing you talk about Cincinnati. Uh, but man, he, he, he uh, he misspoke this morning on on countdown and, and said that uh, T Higgins was a free agent. So I think there's a little confusion. He is under contract next year, and I do believe. I think a lot of people are shutting the door, like, oh, they can't pay two wide receivers. That's not going to happen. I still think there is room to figure it out with T Higgins. He's a big part of this offense, and yes. You know, this team has had really good past history, not named John Ross, of drafting wide receivers. I, I truly think that they, they've found that talent. And, and, and having T. Higgins this this second round, first pick in the second round is amazing. I'm, I'm grateful every day that the Green Bay Packers missed on uh, drafting T. Higgins. I still think there's an opportunity. Um, and that's a conversation that would happen next offseason for a little refresher. Um, those photoshops for the Chicago Bears can stop. He, is, he isn't going to play for the Chicago Bears next year. He is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. He's actually going to change his number. It's not going to be 85 anymore. They said it on the broadcast today. And he's, he's still part of this offense. And I think that that is going to be a franchise tag in the future. Not next season. Under contract again. little education there but maybe the following season if they can't get something worked out long-term for at least another year. Uh, T. Higgins is going to get his in the NFL. This guy's special. We know he had a big moment tonight. It was a T. Higgins game, and, and I wish we I wish we could look back more on this game and be like, wow, T. really stepped up. Huge, huge game by him. And I and we ha you have to. You, you look back at the Kansas City game last year and, and what he was able to do. I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, he's had plenty of moments. He had to miss a few games this year and he comes out there and you're like, T's a real deal. T T is T is I hate to I hate to be this person, but he but he's him too. Um in the wide receiver realm. So that's not happening. I think a lot of people just need to know that he's gonna be he's gonna be a part of this offense next year. But if you were to look at the Logan Wilson conversations, I still feel like those are put off for another year too. Definitely. I think you definitely put to me, I would definitely prioritize T over Wilson, um, just the value of the position. And I think he's also a better player. The thing about T Higgins is I feel like he deserved the blank check type of extension when Chase went out and he put on a pace of 1500 yards. Like he wasn't just a really good supercharged number two type receiver. He's a guy that takes over the game even when when it comes down to he's the best guy on the field it shows and i know it didn't show in like the first game maybe two games of that and then he blew up in the second two of chase's missed time there so yeah i i think t deserves the blank check extension uh wilson i would put off another year and I agree with you about hurst and bell i wouldn't be shocked if one of them is gone but i think i'd be surprised if both of them aren't back yeah. Um, I think that's about it for starting type mm -hmm. players. Uh, well, that's the thing. Eli Apple, that's, is that a one-year deal or is he on a two-year deal? He's on a one-year deal. That was it. Okay. I think he's done. You think it's, think it's moving on? Unless it's, it's really it's, cheap because you have Cam Taylor, Cam Taylor who, Yep. You have Cheeto and you have Mike Hilton. There's really no reason. Unless... Unless nobody under. wants him and he comes back for like a million dollars. I mean, they pretty much got him on a really cheap deal this year. Um, yeah. I think he comes back if he wants to, but knows his role as maybe not a starting cornerback. Well, he was um, losing that job. Uh, this is something that just goes under the radar is he was losing that job and then Cheeto got hurt. So he kept it. Yep. Uh, and I thought, he played, I thought he played all right, but. It's nothing against Eli Apple. I know everyone thinks of Eli Apple and it's like all the, the social media Twitter thing. Eli stepped up. He had to step yeah. up this season in the cornerback room. Secondary, you know, had had its issues. Cam Taylor Britt, man, a physical corner. I'm super pumped what Cam Taylor Britt's gonna bring for this defense in the future. Um, but overall, I I think there's 
I, I think I think people get confused with this team. They're like, oh, they're going to lose all these players next year or there there's so many free agents. And I'm like, it's not as many as you think. I think there's still plenty of holes. I think you still need to add to, you know, depth into your defensive line. You could say the yeah. same thing about the offensive line. We've already talked about that. And there are still plenty of there's plenty of room. You want to hit on your draft picks, which they've done over the last few years. Um, but they could still be a legit team next year, too. Yeah, so you think of with Bates leaving, out of all the starters that are gone, if what we say happens, happens. If Bell is resigned and Hurst is resigned, um, you have Bates leaving, but you have a guy to fill that role in Dax Hill. And you have Pratt leaving, and you maybe have a guy in Akeem Davis gave it to fill that role. I do think that linebacker can be addressed, but it doesn't need to. And I think they have a few positions like that. Right tackle can be addressed, doesn't need to be addressed. Um, you think these are just the starters. Running back can be addressed, doesn't need to. Uh, you could even think of corner. Uh, nah, not starter, but you can draft a corner pretty high just because I think it's always nice to add to your cornerback room. Always. Yeah. Out of the only starters you need are linebacker and safety, new starters, if what we say happens, happens there. If nothing happens, nobody gets signed, this won't happen. But you need the tight end, a safety, and a linebacker, and you have the other safety. So, I don't know. Just galaxy-braining my thoughts here. I think, uh, what are your what are your top five or three, whatever you feel. I don't know. It's off the top of your head. So, if you can get to five, get to five uh, needs going into this offseason to improve the team? Honestly, I, I have to go to the offensive line. It's just like, it's my number one. It's still a concern. It's still something we're talking about. I think it's major when you are having those conversations with Joe Burrow and his contract extension. You showed, this team showed last year in free agency, like we're bringing guys in. I think Ted Karras and Alex Capo were amazing amazing free agents to bring in. Um, I, I know, you know, Ted was kind of battling the, the last few games and he's still uh, a, a major part of, of what this offensive line is. Alex Happel is one of the best on the line. You could say the best on the offensive line. Lyle Collins was, was a bit of a disappointment. Um, that was a pretty cheap deal. And I think you can move on from him if you don't feel comfortable with him at your right tackle position going into camp, or maybe he's battling somebody in camp. We'll see what that looks like when it comes to his rehab and what he looks like when you get into training camp. And I still think on the other side of the ball, I think you, you still look at the defensive line, um, the cornerback room and Dax Hill. We don't know what Dax Hill is yet when it comes to the safety position. And I think it's, it wouldn't hurt to to look into that in the free agent market. Maybe you're not going big and it's, it, it isn't anything crazy or major when it comes to a free agent splash, but you're still going to need depth at that position because we don't know what Dax Hill is yet, just yet. And that's why it's really important to get Von Bell back here as a leader when it is uh, your secondary safety room. And it doesn't hurt to add more depth in, in the cornerback. It's a passing league. It's extremely important to have a good secondary and, Again, when we talk about guys coming back from injuries, how's Cheeto feeling? Uh, will Cheeto be like the old Cheeto coming back from his injury? Um, that obviously happened in October, so he's had a little bit of – he had had more time when it comes to rehab and, and, and getting over his ACL surgery, but that's still going to be something we're going to be watching when it comes to camp, when this when these guys get to OTAs. Um, that they're, they're still kind of in the same spot they were last offseason when it comes to concerns for me. And then your wide receiver room. I think it's still important. Tyler Boyd is still an important wide receiver in this team. Will there be conversations of what the future looks like for Tyler Boyd as as far as this wide receiver room? Could there be a trade opportunity with Tyler Boyd? Um, I, I don't know. I I I think there's still questions for your for your weapons. Um, Joe Mixon, what conversation is happening in the running back room? Okay. I think that was seven, eight, nine, or ten needs. Dude, I just, <laughs> I'm just going on. I'm going on, and and okay. there's like rap when you're ready, Lindsay. Are you gonna <laughs> every position? I promise it isn't as concerning as I just made it out to be. But they're, they're, the conversation. I feel like you're right where you were last offseason. This isn't a bad thing. This team just went to the Super Bowl last year. They lost the AFC Championship game tonight. But I think you're you still have the same concerns when it comes to positions that we had going into the season. Yeah. Um, 
And it would make sense if you did the draft first and free agency, but that's not how the NFL goes. So you have to do your free agency first. That's how the NBA and everybody else goes. You do the draft first, but whatever. Um, To do mine real quick, I guess, uh, and this is off the (laughs) top of my head. Yeah, you always want to add people to different groups. I think the number one need for me is probably also offensive line because, and I think offensive tackle. Even if Lowell Collins wins a position battle against a right tackle you draft, he's here for one more year. And then you're going to want to get cheap at that position because you've got all these extensions hitting. If Lowell Collins does enough to earn himself another little extension, Jonah Williams is only here one more year. So you have two guys only here one more year. So I think you want to add a young guy into there to develop. Um, and Lowell Collins can be cut, I think, and not really cost anything. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't know if I'd do that. He's pretty cheap, but we'll see. You can always add uh, some different positions, but I think I think the next one on my list, just off the top of my head right now, for need, might be running back. I, it's, <laughs> I, it's I thought a... Mixon was fine, but he his contract's coming up, and he's expensive. I don't think you want to pay p ryan so if you could find a young running back i'm not opposed to this maybe in round one depending on who it is you don't want to do that but round two that's the Bengals' sweet spot for that right <laughs> uh so yeah i've got those two i think you have to add a tight end because you're going to want to get cheap there as well you want to get a young guy in the room that has some talent so that's three positions there i think then i go linebacker but I could see that one not happening because I could see them just trusting King Davis Gaither, who's played well. Uh, it just scares me a little bit. <laughs> then cornerback and wide receiver tied together for me. I think both. Sure. If add to the cornerback room because it's a passing league and there you could always use a depth similar to offensive line. It's another position that you want to have multiple guys of that can play. And then wide receiver is just, I don't know the future of Tyler Boyd as much as I want to sign T Higgins. We don't know the future of T Higgins. And we saw this year that you want to have as much depth at wide receiver as you can have. So depth at corner wide receiver. Yeah. Throw it in there, but offensive line running back, tight end corner wide receiver linebacker, probably just throw all three of those together in one big lay group. Also don't mind ever adding pass rushers. So yeah, you could add those guys safety. Sure. Why not? The only position I think is off the limits is quarterback. I don't know if there's another position at all that's off limits. I don't think so. Yeah, no, 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 no. I agree. I, I think, you know, you still have a lot of you have you have great players, you have a lot of positions, you have guys who are coming back next year. You still have rookie contracts for um your quarterback, even if this contract extension happens in the offseason. And honestly, if they announced it tomorrow, I think a lot of Bengals fans would be extremely happy. And those conversations are happening behind the scenes. And um, you know the free agent conversations are still going to happen. I think this team will be aggressive. It might look a little different um, from the past two off seasons, but there's still plenty of talent returning next year. I think fans have to remember that right now. You're not going to feel that way. And I would never tell someone, well, get over it. You're going to be fine. It's it's just the playoffs. You, you went to the AFC championship game. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, fans are going to be upset. And it makes sense when you're that close to going back to the Super Bowl and back-to-back years when a lot of teams doubted you, you had a harder schedule. Um, it, it It's hard to get over. But at the end of the day, only one team wins it all. Only one. Only one team is going to go home happy uh, when you get into February. And the other one's going to go home with a loss. So um, I, Joe Burrow, as he said to us uh, about a month ago, his window is his whole career, and I truly believe that. Uh, you get Joe Burrow here, and I think a lot of franchises would uh, love to have number nine leading the way. I, I saw an image as we were talking of, of Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow hugging in the locker room, and it was just an emotional picture. And I, I think it's it's important to have your head coach, the what, what you have in Zach Taylor here. Uh, look, this team might get Brian Callahan and Lou Anarumo back next year, and I think that's huge when it comes to your OC and your DC. Uh, Dan Pitcher is more than likely coming back with that contract extension. So there's still a lot of positives. It's hard to see it right now, um, but I'm still pumped to, to watch this team again. It just it just sucks that it's going to be a few months from now. Yep. Well, as we know, as Bengals content creators, the offseason shorter than you think, I, I feel like, was last year. <laughs> 
It was busy. Uh, that, uh, it all started as uh, Super Bowl's over. Now it's free agency. And then there's Lyle Collins in the Kenwood Ball and the Bengals sign. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Does anybody go to the Kenwood Ball this year? <laughs> probably not. What are the odds? Like plus 1,500? We, yeah, should no, we, should probably, we, should, we should probably listen to Nick. <laughs> we're, I, I, we're off the deep end. We, we are. We are off the deep end. It is almost midnight. We have to go back to work tomorrow. There's more Bengals content coming. You're going to have plenty on all Bengals. I know you're going to write about it. So I want I want fans to make sure they check that out. Also, on your Twitter account, um, you're going to go back and watch the game. I am going to watch the game again. I'm going to do some videos. Undecided on writing. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Um, <laughs> or maybe I don't. I don't know. Not AFC maybe I just go right into the free agency pool. Or the, I just well, lived through it. I don't need to ever watch it again. I, I The one last year was at 10 out of 10. Curiosity will get me. I'll watch it, but we'll see how much content is created out of that because I think people are checked out. Yeah, but but again, make sure fans are following. He'll have all the breakdown and clips and this offseason. There's plenty to talk about in the future with this team. Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. All season long, can't thank you guys enough for listening, uh, breakdowns during the week, questions you're sending on the mailbag. It was truly a really fun season. Uh, this team is, is the future's bright, and I, I do believe they'll get back.